Man, there is nothing more beautiful, uh, nothing more amazing that we can celebrate is life. Uh, the life in these children, the life that, that God has blessed us. I, I pray that we would always be a church, we would be individual Christians that would celebrate life and protect life. That, that God did a miracle in the moment that these children and all of us were conceived. At the moment of conception, God has a, a miraculous future for every human, and I want to praise God for that. It's something we need to celebrate. We also should be celebrating life in the, in the sense that Jesus came to give life and life to the full. Jesus said in John 10, 10, he said, I've come to give you life and have it abundantly. God did not send Jesus just so we could survive, so we could get by. I know this world is tough. Parents, you know this world's tough, amen? Some of you got three, four hours of sleep last night. But God, through Jesus, has given us the ability, no matter what this world throws at us, even death, that we will live even if we die through him, that eternal hope. That's what we're in this series, to providing hope for the future. And it's about connect. We're, we're focusing on connecting with God, connecting with each other. And then today, here, here's the exciting thing, and I'm pumped up about this. If that worship service didn't get you a little pumped up, uh, you may need to check your pulse. But here's the reality. God has given us a mission to seek the lost, to connect with them. Here's what he says in Mark chapter six, 16. These are the words of Jesus. Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Uh, some people say, sometimes they'll point fingers at church. Oh, you're exclusive. You've got to know these songs. You've got to dress this way. You've got to know all these rituals. Here's who the gospel is for. Pay attention. Everyone. Male and female, rich or poor, young or old. Jesus, go into the world and, and, and share this good news with everyone because of this. Anyone. Man, there's nothing more inclusive than that. Who, who can receive it? Anyone who believes. So they've got to be exposed to Jesus. We've got to connect them. And is baptized, will be saved. There's hope in that. But here's the one who has no hope. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. But guys, this is a matter of life and death. You connecting with God is a matter of life and death. You connecting to one another in the church family with other Christians is a matter of if you're going to grow. But here's another matter of life or death, that we take the good news of Jesus to the world, to everyone. But at times it seems hard. It seems intimidating. Some of you are like, well, I'm not a trained pastor. I'm going to school right now. I'm taking classes. I haven't received much, much training. And we can come up with all these excuses why we're not doing our job of connecting the lost, but here, remember what Jesus says, go. That's all of us, all who believe will go. And today I want to give you some real practical advice, some real encouragement that will let you know it is for you to go. Not just the elders, not just the pastors, not, not just someone who, who has went to, done some training uh, in some seminar, but each of us as uh, believers of Christ are to go. And here's the first one. Here's how we connect others to Christ. Connect others to Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the good news. You're not alone. Not only are we building each other up, but the Holy Spirit is alive and active in your life. And when you feel intimidated, when you feel like you're not trained enough, uh, you, you may not be prepared, the Holy Spirit can overcome any fear, failure, or, or lack that you have to help you present the good news to someone. It may be as simple as this, letting them know that you care and God loves them. And the Holy Spirit can give you that power, that encouragement. It's scriptural. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. 
and you will be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit enters the life of the believer, he empowers us to do his will. And Jesus said, when I go into heaven, I want you to go and share the good news that that I came to die so that we could all live. I believe in training. I believe in uh, getting an education. I believe in hard work and study. But you know what makes me, on my best day, uh, 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 an effective communicator of God's Word, whether it's with one person or 400 or even more than that? It is not hours and hours of preparation, which that helps. It is definitely not just having a degree. It is the Holy Spirit empowering me to proclaim Christ. And here's the good news. Each and every one of you have that same Holy Spirit. Every single one of you, if you're a believer of Christ, you are promised the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he empowers us to speak on his behalf. A little commercial here. You do not want to miss tonight if you're a man. If you're a male and you hear me right now, be here tonight to hear our speaker and eat a steak. Man, that's, that's good, isn't it? Yeah. If you're a college student and you're like, man, I didn't even know about this tonight, uh, go buy uh, two tickets for $10. I'll, however many you buy, I'll cover the rest. They're $10 each, but if you're a college student or a high schooler and you want to be here tonight, you can buy uh, two for $10 or you can do one for five. And, and keep track of that in the back and we'll cover that. But we need you guys here tonight because the gentleman that's speaking to you tonight was one of my professors in college and he helped with my training. He helped me grow to be a preacher more than any other person. But you know what makes me available right now to do what I'm doing? It's not Chuck Sackett's training of Tyson. It is the Holy Spirit working in my life. And in the same way, you can have training, you can study, you, you can even watch some things on YouTube to give you some, some, some good information and things to share and advice. But when the Holy Spirit works in you, amazing things happen. That's a promise from Jesus Christ. So connect with others through the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not on your own. Secondly, connect others to Christ by pushing through boundaries. I bring this out of the same passage in Acts chapter 1. It says this, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It's, It's circles that just keep getting larger. Jesus says, as you take the good news, the fact that I died for your sins and came back to life, conquering sin and death, you will take that to the utter ends of the earth. We'll, bake, we'll break through boundaries. We'll push through brown boundaries. Christ's mission is not just for people you know it's close to you. It is for everyone. I wonder what boundary is slowing you down from sharing God's love. It may be a generational boundary. You think you're still too young. Paul says, don't let anyone look down on you because of your age. These babies, when they begin to speak, they can begin to reach people with the love of Jesus. I've seen it done. Daily, time and time again, breaks my heart with her love for Jesus. You can have a voice at any age as long as you communicate about Jesus. You don't even have to use your voice. You can do it with action. Maybe you have a boundary of economics. Maybe you don't feel like you'll be respected. Or maybe you have a boundary of culture. Whatever boundary or barrier that you feel or you fear, God can overcome through the power of the Holy Spirit. This church has a few boundaries. Right now, if you look around the room, we are primarily white, middle class, middle age. We are uh, five generations of this church. Uh, we can overcome the boundaries of culture, of, of, of age, any boundary if we focus on what God's doing in our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. We also have some barriers. 
Right now, the elders and the staff and the deacons are, are going through a process called the natural church development, where we're trying to identify uh, some barriers that are currently keeping our church from really exploding. I've got some opinion on that, but we've asked 30 of you to help us figure out the things that are healthy and the things that can use a lot of attention. And we're starting to get some of those reports in, and they're very eye-opening. We are not going to let any barrier stand our way to connect others with Christ. Amen? So help us identify those barriers and then help us break them down. Paul was a man who did not stop barriers and boundaries. He went as far as the world could take him at that time, sharing God's love. Let's look at the Apostle Paul this morning. One of the things that made him a very passionate evangelist of God's Word. He not only used the power of the Holy Spirit, he pushed through boundaries, but he connected with others to Christ through genuine passion. You guys know passion is contagious, right? You see someone that just came back from a, a, a visit even to a new restaurant, and they had a great experience, and they're like, man, that was the best food I ever had. I, I, I can't wait to go back. Their passion gets you uh, interested in checking out for yourself. You, see, you meet someone who's just watched a new movie, and they're all uh, stoked about that movie. They, 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 they can't wait to even see it again. You begin to be curious. But you know what happens when people ask us sometimes we're a Christian? You're like, you're a Christian, right? What's that, what's that done to your life? And a lot of times our response is not very passionate. You're like, yeah, I've, I've been a Christian since I was young. My parents, uh, they dedicated me whenever I was a child, and it's, it's really great. Jesus changed my life. I was a sinner headed to hell, and now I'm a son of the living God. And, and even though I was flawed and I messed up and I've done more wrong than you could ever imagine, Christ is King and He is the Savior and Lord of my life. We need to be passionate. Paul says this about his passion. In Romans chapter 9, he says this. He gets excited. There's exclamation points all through the original text here. He says this, with Christ as my witness. He goes, Christ is my witness. I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience, he goes, deep down in my gut... And, my, and the Holy Spirit confirm it. So he says, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and my soul are on fire about this. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. Notice what he would do. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, that if that would save them. He says, I'm so fired up about what I'm sharing about Jesus, I would even be willing to be cursed and cut off so that other people could be connected. And sometimes we won't even move over in our pew. Sometimes, uh, uh, so other people connect, uh, we might try to do something at church, and you're like, man, that, that song didn't connect with me at all. I wish they would do the, the songs that I really like. What, what are we not even willing to adjust a little bit on for the sake of connecting others to Christ when Paul says, I would even be willing to be cursed and cut off to connect someone else? we got a lot to learn, a lot to grow. A lot to mature. Some of us need to be willing to have our culture changed to connect others to Christ. It's our responsibility. It's our opportunity. We get, we get fired up about a lot of things. Anything from football to the Food Network star, whatever's going on. We're like, hey, did you see that? When's the last time you got fired up to tell someone about Christ? Because it's contagious. Have you noticed the scare that the new virus is bringing to our world that originated in China? At least that's what we think. 
uh, the, the media is desperately focused on it. It brings some concern. Because when something is contagious, you, you know it, it's almost impossible to be, to be stopped. Guys, that's the way the church, and we should be as we reach out in our neighborhoods in Bond County, in Illinois, and all around the world. When we share hope, it should be contagious. So, so far, here's the point if we're going to connect others. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit. We, we push past, past boundaries, and we show our passion. You're like, Tyson, we're already three-quarters of the way done if I'm following in my program. Oh, we're just getting started, okay? <laughs> There's one more point, though. It's connect others to Christ by placing their needs ahead of my own preferences. And that's the hardest part. Holy Spirit comes on you, allow Him to use you. Push through boundaries, uh, uh, know that you have passion. But here's where it really gets tough. Someone else's need to know Christ is more important than my own preference. Here's the way Paul puts it. He says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. He's talking about in Christ. Whatever it takes, I'm going to do, no matter how uncomfortable I am, even if it means I'm cut off uh, from from the church, I'm cut off from my personal family, I'm cut off from my bank account, I'm going to do whatever it takes. The, the New Living Translation says this, Yes, I will try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. Paul was willing to put his own preferences behind someone else's ability to connect to Christ. You might say, well, Tyson, I'm free to do whatever I want. Paul says that. I've been set free, and I'm free indeed, and that's true. But notice what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 19, uh, chapter 9, verse 19. He says, though I am free. He says, yes, I am free. And belong to no one. I have made myself a slave to everyone. To win as many as possible. Guys, you are free to live your life. You're free to be independent. Christ has saved you, and that's a personal relationship. But Paul says, and we're to follow his examples, he follows Christ, that he made himself a servant or a slave to everyone. Not just the people in your Sunday school class or in your small group. Not just the people that that you have a personal connection with. He says, I'm willing to be a servant or slave to everyone so that they can share in the good news of Jesus. Well, that's going to cut into my freedoms. I'm an American. I'm free to, uh, it's a free place. But Paul says his, his desire to share the gospel is more important than any freedom he ever had. He explains it to us. Connecting to others to Christ is more important than his personal preferences. And he shows us the practical way of that. He says this. In 1 Corinthians 9, 19, he says, To the Jews I became like a Jew, to win the Jews. To those under the law I became like one under the law. To those not having the law I became like one not having the law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak, to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel. And that gospel is that Jesus died so we can live, that I might share in his blessing. He goes, I want to share in the blessing of life with Jesus. So to the Jew, I'm like a Jew, and to the, and to, to the non-Jew under the law, I, I become like them. And even to the weak, I become weak. What does it mean to become like a Jew in Paul's day? He says, to the Jews, I become like a Jew. Paul was a Jew before he became a Christian, before he was changed by Christ. He was like uh, one of the chief Jews of the time. He knew the traditions. He knew uh, the ceremonies. He knew what, uh, the haircut of a Jew. He knew the clothing of a Jew. He knew what a Jew should eat and what a Jew should not eat. He had it all figured out. But even after he became a Christian, he was like, to the Jew, I'm going to fellowship and connect with them so that I can share Christ with the Jew. 
He gives us some great examples in Scripture. In Acts chapter 16, him and his son in the faith, Timothy, began to travel around. And they first were encountering a lot of Jews, and they were telling them about Jesus. And Timothy began to to really know uh, how to communicate God's word. Uh, The Bible says he was trained well by his grandmother and mother in the faith, and they shared the word of God with him, and it was naturally in his heart. So Paul began to allow him to teach other uh, people they were witnessing to. But Timothy had a major problem when they went into the Jewish culture, and they sat down to do a Bible study or to talk about Jesus and how it was connected to the Old Testament. Timothy knew all that, but they began to judge him in the Jewish culture because he wasn't a Jew. He didn't know the Jewish traditions. He didn't know the Jewish ceremonies. And there was one main thing that he did not have a connection with the Jews with. He wasn't circumcised. Praise the God that is not a, a, a determining factor if you can have fellowship with this church. But back in that day, if you were wanting to connect with the Jews, they would say, well, have you been circumcised? I mean, it was, it was a, a, very, uh, a, a very important detail, and Timothy had not. So Paul and Timothy had a discussion, and for Paul and Timothy's ability to connect with those people at that time, they agreed that Timothy would be circumcised. You talk about a radical commitment to connect. Later on in Acts chapter 21... We see Paul with some other people that were sharing the faith. And, and, and the Jews were like, well, you haven't been through this ceremony. You haven't went through this ritual lately. You haven't been cleansed in this way. So Paul says, fine, we'll go through all those things of the Jewish tradition. And in Acts chapter 21, Paul allows himself to, to be Jewish in, in the tradition. And then another thing I want to highlight is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Where Paul says this, this is hard to believe. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews. Five times. Forty lashes, less one. If you, if you think back to the crucifixion where Jesus was being whipped and they would often flog people 40, uh, 40 times minus one, 39 times. The, the, the Roman in, in that culture back in that day, they knew how much the body could take. And if you would beat someone with a whip uh, much more than 40 times, it would often become a fatal blow. But five times Paul allowed himself to be whipped with 40 lashes at the hands of the Jews to keep connected. You're like, that just seems strange. What would Paul have done to deserve that? It was probably often connected, uh, theologians believe, that he was viewed of speaking of God and and God's son Jesus. In in Jewish culture, that was blasphemy. Uh, They were still looking for the Messiah. So that he was declaring Jesus was the Messiah, and they're like, you're blaspheming God. And they would say, that, is, that warrants a punishment of, of 39 lashes. And Paul says, bring it on. I, I'm willing to be whipped so that I can stay in good relationship with you. And he kept doing it and doing it, all for the sake of connection. How far would you go to stay connected to people in your community? How far would you go to stay connected to people in Bond County or your own family? How, how far would you go to stay connected uh, for the sake of sharing the love of Jesus with them? Uh, but oftentimes you're like, well, I'll do this, this, and this, but this takes me out of my comfort zone, getting up at 6 a.m. Or going after work or on my lunch hour, actually, actually proclaiming that I know Jesus. Paul says, I, I would be whipped to the point of death. Because to Paul, connecting others to Christ is more important than personal preferences. As a church family, we must be willing to put our preferences aside to connect with others. I'll say that again and see if I can get an amen. 
As a church family, we need to be willing to put our personal preferences aside to connect with the lost. That may mean we do things that you don't like, that I don't like, but if people come to know Jesus because we are connecting with them, pointing to Jesus, praise God. Connecting with others is so important. He also said to those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, so to win those not having the law. He's talking about Greek people here, or Gentiles, non-Jewish people. People that didn't do Jewish traditionals, uh, traditions, people who didn't practice the law, people who, who were just living the life for themselves. He says, there are times I came uh, to live with them and, and around them, and, and it was a part of their lifestyle so I could connect with them. So what he didn't do when he was with them is put on all this Jewish uh, uh, garb. He didn't cut his hair in Jewish fashion. He, he, he would even eat things that Jewish people wouldn't eat. Paul was willing on a regular basis to meet people where they are. Guys, we're called to do that. For example, I think one of the biggest things in Scripture we see is Paul was willing to eat things uh, with uh, Gentiles that the, the Jews would have looked down on, specifically bacon. But can I get an amen that God has allowed us nowadays to eat bacon? Who like, yeah. Yesterday, yesterday morning in the Graber house alone, we went through two pounds of bacon in like 20 minutes. It is good. Uh, what, what, what God has told us through Scripture, through Jesus, is he, he has made clean what was used to be unclean. Now, there's still some health advantages, probably not to eat two pounds of bacon. But there's a time where Paul says, if I'm with this Gentile and he's wanting to have a ham sandwich, I can have a ham sandwich because I've been set free and it allows me to connect with him. How snobbish of, it, of us is when we go with someone and it's not a sin to say, well, I don't do that because I'm a Christian. We need to be set free to live a life that empowers connections. And then we also communicate differently. Paul was around these Gentiles, these non-Jews, and they were spiritual people. They had gods for this and they had gods for that. And one day Paul uh, was in Athens and he even noticed they had a god for the, a god they didn't know, the, the god of the unknown god. And Paul, instead of condemning them and saying, well, you really know who this God is. It's the God of our Jewish ancestors, and that's why we're higher than you. No, Paul says, I like your, your devotion to spirituality. I like the fact you're seeking, and I happen to know the God that you're wanting to worship, the unknown God. It is God, uh, the Father, the, the Father of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ came as God on earth to die for your sins, and he rose from the grave. And they began to absorb it because he didn't take it back to their Jewish culture. He just says, the God in heaven that you don't know sent his son Jesus to die for you. And now he lives. In much the same way and more, we need to be careful about our vocabulary when we're talking to someone who doesn't know Jesus. That's one of the reasons we are re, uh, revamping our mission statement. We, for one reason, we began to realize that about 1% of you could share our mission statement in the last few years. So we're, we're, we're remodeling it, remolding it, and it's coming directly from the Word of God, and it's following uh, the principles of our mission statements of the past, but you want to know one key word that I'm willing to share with you about our new mission? It's hope. The world needs hope, don't they? They need hope when they're hungry, they need hope when they're hurting, they need hope when they're facing death, and we know that hope is found in Christ, but, but even the staff and the elders slowed me down because I was like, hey, I think our mission statement should say, hope in Christ. And we're, our, our mission statement in the future is going to be all about hope. And we know it's in Christ, but it's going to, to be able to be understood by anyone and everyone in this world. 
More on that coming soon. But we need to make sure we're speaking with language they can understand. Because if we go up to someone who's lost, maybe at Walmart or the bar, and we're like, you need to be washed in the blood of Jesus and connected to the body, they're going to back away from you slowly, okay? Or they may start uh, uh, ridiculing you, knowing that, that you are not connected with them. Are we going to tell them about the blood of Jesus at some time? Absolutely. Is there time when you say you need to be connected to the body? Most definitely. But we need language that meets them where they are. We can learn from Hudson Taylor along with Paul in this. He was a missionary to China. I don't know how many of you ever heard of Hudson Taylor. He, he was a, a very effective missionary, but he followed some very non-effective missionaries uh, in China because what the first missionaries would do, they went into China and got down right where the people were, and instead of telling them just about Christ, what they generally did was like, hey, if you want to be a part of the church, you've got to dress this way, you've got to uh, read this language, you've got to eat this food. They were actually trying to make the Chinese people more Americans than Christians, and they failed. But Hudson Taylor, what he began to do was cut his hair like the Chinese men of the time. Began to dress like them. Totally embrace their food. And that's good food. He began to, to uh, embark in their culture and do the things that they did. And then you know what he did? Slowly he talked to them about Jesus. And through his ministry, thousands if not more were saved through the name of Jesus. But Hudson knew that so many missionaries before him had no tact. They had no sensitivity. They had no even politeness. And here's what he said, and I quote Hudson in this, and let this not be true of us. In nothing do we fail more. This, you have to wrap this around your brain a little bit. He, he's saying we fail as a church so much in this way. As a mission, we fail in this way than in the lack of tact and politeness. He's like so much of the time we as Christians have no tact. We have no sensitivity. We don't even have politeness to see people where they are. Isaac Newton said this about tact. Tact is the art of making a point without making an enemy. Can you do that? Can you go into a situation where you know you need to have influence, you know you need to share Jesus, but instead of cramming it down their throat, have sensitivity, politeness, and tact? Someone told me this morning, I'm going to get the quote a little bit wrong, tact is the ability uh, to share even manure with someone and have them come back for seconds. We, what, what can we do with the sake of the gospel? We need to have some tact. We need to meet people where they are. The first year of my ministry in southern Indiana, I was at New Hope Christian Church as youth minister. My wife, Tiffany, and I have been married less than a year. We went over to Lyle and Susie Wirtz's house uh, for dinner. That's uh, a picture of Lyle and Susie. Great people. They grew up in Washington, Indiana most of their lives. I think now they live in Kentucky. But Susie is actually D. Arms' aunt. So I'm at Susie uh, and Lyle's house, and they're feeding us dinner. And we have this great dinner, and, and we're trying to connect with them for the first time. We've just met them. And Susie says, I'm bringing out my famous dessert. She brings out this piece of, go ahead and show us. It's a piece of, like, strawberry dessert with the whipped cream and, and, and just the perfect crust. And Tiffany's eyes get big as about the same time as my eyes because Tiffany knows that whenever I even look at strawberries, my stomach becomes uneasy. I, I, it's it's, it's uh, an instinctive nature. I think it's kind of the texture. But when I begin to chew a strawberry, my lips just begin to quiver. And my stomach rolls. And it, it's like, am I even going to be able to swallow this? So for the next 30 minutes, I choke down this piece of strawberry dessert. 
and Tiffany's eyes are just waiting for me just to, to be, have to stop or spit something up. But over that time, I, I'm eating that, and uh, I'm doing my very best to connect and honor what she's given me. About a minute after I finish it, Susie, the, the lovely host that she is, she comes and puts a second piece right in front of me. <laughs> but I was doing my very best to honor, to be sensitive, to have some tact. In much the same way Paul is saying, we need to do our very best to meet people where they are. He goes on to tell the, uh, much about food. And he says, can you imagine Paul in that first century? He has went his entire life not, not being repulsed by ham or bacon or, or a pork chop, but have the understanding that if he ate that, he would be cut off from God because it made him unholy. And yet, uh, by the end of his life, he is welcoming that because he knows it helps him connect with others. You might say, well, Tyson, um, there, there's just some certain things that, that I don't like so much that I would never do to help connect. And here's what Paul would say, and I would encourage uh, you to own this yourself. Get over yourself. If you're doing something just out of preference that you push someone away that needs to know Jesus, get over yourself. Get over it. Oh, I can eat strawberries, Tyson. That's no problem. I, I'll eat bacon. But what else will you do for the sake of someone else knowing Jesus? Will you allow your music preference to be ignored at church to attract lost people? Will you scoot over in your pew or change a spot to make room for someone that's never been here before to make them feel welcome? But Tyson, that would, uh, my, my family wouldn't know where I sat. They'll find you, but that person may never find Christ unless you move over. Oftentimes, we want to be so comfortable, we don't give up. But connecting others to Christ is more important than our personal preferences. Paul makes that a point time and time again. Guys, our culture is changing fast, so we as a church need to change. Honestly, one of the things I've realized, being here almost three years this summer, we haven't changed as much as we thought we've changed. And in that, the culture is kind of passing us by. Sometimes we're, we're, we're not relevant anymore. Sometimes uh, we, we say things that the world is going to be like, that doesn't matter to us. The message will stay the same about Jesus, but we've got to communicate it in new ways. You know what happens to most churches who decide they're not going to change? They die. A reoccurring voice of the majority of, church, majority of churches that are dying right now is this. After data, after surveys of, of leadership that have, have to close their doors. Do you know that 5,000 churches, it's estimated, will close their doors this year? They will not have another communion service. They'll not hear another sermon. They will have sung their last song and had their last prayer and shut the door for the last time. 5,000, it's estimated. In a regular statement from those church leaders of why they didn't change is, and I quote, this is what we like and this is the way we always like to do it. We've always done it like this, and in time, culture passes them by, and they no longer connect, and they die. Connecting with others is more important than our preferences. Paul says one more thing here. He says, to the weak I became weak, so I may win the weak. What he's talking about here is he, uh, at times, would not eat meat. You know, he said, I could just eat all the bacon, and now he's saying, I'm not going to eat meat at times. Earlier in this, in this uh, section of Scripture, Paul says that it's okay if someone doesn't want to eat meat. And what he's talking about is meat sacrificed to idols. Back in that day, you didn't have an IGA in town. You didn't have a butcher shop on, on most streets. You would buy your meat out of the back door of the, the synagogue or the temple where sacrifice are done. 
And the meat would often be offered to God or a God. It would be boiled. It may be burned. And then you could buy that meat. The new Christians who weren't very mature, who Paul says are weak, he says, we can't do that. Our conscience won't let us eat that meat because we think it's still dedicated to that God. But Paul knew that if someone gave him meat, it didn't matter, it didn't matter where it came from, he could eat it for nourishment. But Paul said this, if I'm with someone who thinks that meat is still evil and still sinful and is going to hurt their soul, I'm not going to eat that meat to pull them down. He goes, to the weak, I became like them, not to lead them astray, to distract them. What Paul's basically saying is I'm sensitive to them. I wonder if you need to be sensitive to someone right now who's growing in the faith. There are times when people, whether they're new in the faith or very mature in the faith, they will make choices that we need to be sensitive to and respect. For example, I know a lot of Christians, whether uh, new Christians or old Christians, are, I'm not going to watch a movie beyond the uh, rating of PG or PG-13. And some Christians are like, oh, I can watch that. Why don't you come and watch that with me? And we make fun of them for not watching it at times. Guys, if someone has a, a moral standard that they hold too deep down in their heart, like not eating meat or watching a movie, don't judge them. It can be as simple as this. Uh, I know ladies who do not want to wear makeup. And it's perfectly fine for them to wear makeup, but if they don't want to wear makeup, let them make that choice. But don't break their backs over it. I know other people who will not meet with someone of the opposite sex alone. What a great standard. And if you don't have that same standard, don't put them down, but be sensitive to where they're at. You may need to know this at your next Super Bowl party. How many of you are going to a Super Bowl party? Okay. Not very many of you, so this may not apply. But you could be at a Super Bowl party in the next 20 years, okay? And there may be someone in that, meet, in that place that is a new Christian or a lifelong Christian, and they may have made a commitment. I'm not going to watch the halftime show or a commercial. Strangely enough, too much of the time, that's the best part of the Super Bowl, the most entertaining part. But they have identified that based often on the sexual content of a commercial or halftime, it doesn't help them get close to Christ. They're like, I'm not watching it. We need to be very sensitive. If you find yourself in that position, even have the guts to turn it off, to honor them. That's what Paul's saying is we'll be sensitive so that everyone can grow up in the faith. You may be at that same Super Bowl party, and you may be there with a recovering alcoholic, and maybe there's alcohol served in some form or another, and you're like, you know, it becomes uncomfortable. You may need to really help protect that person because they're in a position that to them that is a sensitive subject that they need to be built up with. Paul is saying to, to the weak, to a person who's made a, a claim even different than I have, I'm going to honor so that we can grow in connection to each other and to Christ. Because here's the reality. All people matter. And connecting them to Christ is more important than what you want. Paul says, I become all things to all people so that I might win some. You might say, well, Paul is extremely flexible. He was extremely flexible on things he had freedom on. He says, it doesn't matter to me. But notice this, he wasn't flexible on some things. Nowhere in Scripture did he says, I say to the drunk, I've become a drunk to reach the drunk. He just doesn't say that. He, sa he doesn't say to the thief, I've become a thief to reach the thief. He doesn't say to the prostitute, I've become a prostitute to reach the prostitutes. There's a place where Paul draws a line because God's word, even under Jesus, is still clear about what's right and what's wrong. He said to those outside the law, I've become like one outside the law. But look at this next part. I'm almost done. Not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. He says, I'm still under the lordship of Christ. So I'm free, but I'm going to honor Christ with all that I do. 
He was willing to examine his life on a daily basis to evaluate his living. And that's where we need to be. He says, I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in his blessing. He worked hard at it, knowing sometimes he would do this, and sometimes he would do this, and sometimes he wouldn't do that at all, so that other people would know Christ, so that they could share in his blessing. He followed the example of Jesus in relationships and connections. I want to end with this scripture from Philippians. Paul wrote this. He says, in your relationships, in your connection points, do it this way. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. What was that? Who, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used as his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself, being obedient to death, even death on a cross. He says, in your connections, have the same mindset as Jesus, and don't think of yourself all high and mighty, but serve them and, and, and meet their needs. And think of yourself less. Connecting others to Christ is more important than our personal preferences. Because we want to share in the blessing. So I'll ask you one more time, who's not here? I mean, there's not a ton of room because we have baby dedication day. But on a normal Sunday, there, there's room in here. Who, who isn't here on a regular basis that you know that is lost without Jesus because they have no hope? Well, Tyson, we're hoping you were going to talk to them this next week. No, you're to go into your Jerusalem, your Judea, to the very ends of the world to connect others to Christ. Who will you connect Christ to by the way you live, by the words you say? And you're not alone. Remember, the Holy Spirit will empower you. We can break through, break through boundaries together. They will see your passion when you get fired up and it gets contagious. But here's where you got to live. You've got to put your personal preferences behind meeting their needs and getting them to know Jesus.